2024. We are at City Hall and uh, can I have a roll call? Council Authority Member Stockton? Here. Silva? Here. Patman? <coughs> Roberts? Here. Wiley? Here. Vice Mayor Ritchie? Mayor Carley? Here. If you're able, will you please stand with me for a moment of silence? Councilmember Wiley, will you lead us in a pledge? Evening, Vacaville. Um, at this point, um, do we have any changes in tonight's agenda? No, we do not, Mr. Mayor. All right. And um, do I have a motion? Motion to approve the agenda. Second. Second. You got a second? All in favor? Aye. Aye. And with that, we will move on to approval of the minutes. Motion to approve the minutes. We have a motion. Do I have a second? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Seeing no presentations, we will move on to a consent calendar. Any member of the public or the council wishing to uh, pull an item for discussion, we have items A through E. Seeing none, do I have a motion? Motion to approve the consent calendar. Second. Motion to second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. We will move on to business from the floor. This is an opportunity for members of the public to address any issue that's not on tonight's agenda that is within our jurisdiction. Please come forward. Good evening. Good evening. Um, I'm Judy from Rio Vista and with me tonight I have Tom from Soon City. And we are here representing the Solano County Civil Grand Jury. Note, I said civil, so if you're into law and order, that's not us. <laughs> February is Grand Jury Awareness Month, and we use this point to start our kickoff for recruitment for the following year. As you know, uh, the term goes July 1 through June 30th, so there's an a interview process, et cetera, and there's a few steps you go through. But uh, qualifications to become a Grand Juror are very minor. Basically, you got to live in Solano. You can't be on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. You know, things like that. It, it's very simple. But if you have time and you want to do something, the grand jury is a place to go. You might be able to help make a difference, maybe in a process that's being done, help expedite it, or maybe even better yet, help the city or county save a few bucks. So I'd really like you to consider, not just consider, think about it real hard. The grand jury is the place to be. Tom? We'll be leaving these pamphlets out front. They're basically uh, complaint forms if anybody wishes to make a complaint to the civil grand jury and application forms if you'd like to join the grand jury. And we'll stick around in the lobby for a few minutes. If anybody has any personal questions they'd like to ask, 
we'll answer it or we'll give you a phone contact where we will get you an answer. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Hello, Council. I, I live out in Browns Valley and uh, I'm in District 1, I guess, out there. I think we ought to start rethinking the way we uh, have the 4th of July celebrations. We ought to have drones with light shows, music, something like that. That's the modern era. This stuff with the, I, I want to get to you guys before you sign contracts and all that, start early on this. Because I think with the fire problems and everything else, the smoke, and the city should set an example for fireworks. You know, we have a no fireworks standard, right? In this in the city, well, the city should set the example and not have fireworks. So, and I have open space behind my house, and it's eh, it's pretty sketchy. You know, one fire, and you know, you got a whole row of houses could go up. So, I I really think that now's the time to think about it before July Fourth rolls around. There's other ways to celebrate. We were at um, a Cal football game this year, and they had a drone light show, and it was pretty spectacular. I mean, you can make it even nicer than that. I don't know what the cost would be or whatever, but I know Travis Air Force Base can have fireworks and bombs going off around the base. And they had a fireworks show a few years back that was uh, drones and a light show. And I thought it was pretty nice. So um, that's all I wanted to talk about. I thought maybe we could think that one over coming 4th of July. I know everybody likes to celebrate and, and you know, I'm not against that, but I think it would be great if we'd started with a light show and drones and music, something of that accord, okay? All right, so that's all, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good evening. Good evening, Mayor Carly, city council and city staff. Uh, these past couple months, I've been in communications with the California's Depart of, Department of Cannabis Control with the purpose of gathering data and info to share with you all. Of the data received, there's one piece of information I'd like to inform the council of today. As of February 2023, 61% of California cities and counties do not allow cannabis retailers. This makes it harder for consumers to access safe, tested cannabis products, resulting in increased health risks and even deaths. Fortunately, California has responded to this last year by creating a program called the Local Jurisdiction Retail Access Grant Program, which purpose is to allocate roughly 10 to 20 million dollars to help local governments establish their own cannabis retail licensing programs. Its ultimate aim is to provide consumers and residents with sufficient access to safe, legal, tested cannabis while counteracting the illicit market by empowering cities like Vacaville with funding and resources. <coughs> Since the start of the program last year, in its phase one, roughly 3.2 million of funding went to 15 cities, including nearby Winters and West Sacramento. In its upcoming phase two, cities can get 150,000 per retail license issued or 300,000 per equity retail license issued with a maximum of 2 million per city. Now, although Vacaville has missed phase one deadline, DCC has informed me that Vacaville can still apply for the phase two funding, which is actually much more significant in funding. Which Vacaville, with Vacaville's previously proposed two license plan, we plan to receive 300,000 for regular retail licenses or 600,000 for equity retail licenses. Fortunately, there are only three requirements a city needs to be eligible to receive this funding. 
One, the city did not have a cannabis retail licensing program prior to July 2022. Two, the city has a plan to develop and implement a cannabis retail licensing program. And three, the city has issued at least one or more retail licenses. Our city receiving the support can make develop, developing and deploying this cannabis program uh, easier, whether it is either this year or next year, virtually cost-free for the city of Vacaville and its residents. As Vacaville can easily fit these three criteria to receive the funding needed to deploy this. This will not only completely remove funding as a blocker, but also give the city and council a huge win going into our new 2025 strategic plan. Council, I believe the city should apply for this grant in the new upcoming phases of either March or September of 2024. Thank you. And I'll be sending uh, data and documentation to you guys' email a little bit later on today or tomorrow morning. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. California forever. If you're not doing something to actively oppose it, you're going to get run over by it. Thank you. Seeing no one else, I'm going to close business from the floor. And uh, looks like we have a public hearing, item 8A. Mr. City Manager. Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the City Council. This first public hearing item before you is a resolution and ordinance related to a general plan amendment and a rezoning uh, map amendment related to the Millennium Center on Browns Valley Road. We have a group from our planning department here to make a presentation for you tonight. Yeah, thank you. And while they're preparing to make the presentation, Vice Mayor uh, Richie is present, so I just want to acknowledge that. Good evening, Mayor, Council Members, members of the public. The item before you tonight is a request to amend the general plan and the zoning map for property located within the Millennium Center. The request is to change the general map the general plan map designation from private recreation to commercial office and to change the zoning map designation from parks and recreation to commercial office. The map on the right of your screen shows the location of the project site. You may be familiar with the Browns Valley in shape as the two buildings located just directly to the south of it along Browns Valley Road, surrounded by single family homes in the Glen Eagle Ranch subdivision and the Ridgeview subdivision to the east. The project request consists of three applications, a reaffirmation of the previous environmental assessment done for the Vacaville general plan, a general plan amendment to change the general plan land use designation, and then also a zoning map amendment to change the zoning. The project site is 1.3 acres and consists of two buildings totaling 15,000 square feet, with one larger building, uh, 12,000 square feet, and then a smaller building in the middle with 2,500 square feet. The center is home to an existing daycare center and there are existing on-site parking and landscaping improvements to serve the site. This project site does have a bit of background. The Millennium Sports Center, which is now the Browns Valley in shape, was first constructed in 1975. And in 2002, the Planning Commission approved the construction of the two buildings, which are the subject of tonight's hearing. Uh, they are accessory buildings to the Millennium Sports Center. In 2013, uh, the city approved InShape to be able to locate at the Millennium Sports Center, which is why it's now an InShape. In 2015, the city adopted a comprehensive update to our general plan, 
which designated the site as private recreation. In 2022, the city adopted a comprehensive update to our land use and development code to bring into compliance with the general plan. And to fulfill that uh, designation of private recreation, the site was zoned parks and recreation. And then in 2022, the city received an application from the property owner to uh, requesting to change the site to commercial office. You may recall that you initiated that general plan amendment last year in March. And then um, in 2024, last month, the Planning Commission voted unanimously 7-0 to recommend approval of the proposed general plan and zoning map amendments. This slide shows an aerial view of the site. As you can see, there's the two buildings, one that circles around the smaller building in the center, their existing landscape, landscaping and uh, parking improvements on site. And then the site is uh, directly adjacent to Browns Valley Road. And to the rear, you can see the existing Glen Eagle uh, subdivision. You may also notice that uh, the houses in that are abutting this project site are slightly uh, elevated. They're, they're at a higher grade than the Millennium Center site. The project applicant and property owner are requesting to change the general plan to have the site be designated as commercial office. Currently, it's designated as private recreation. And then concurrently, they're also asking for a zoning map amendment to change the zoning from parks and recreation to commercial office in order to match the general plan. As part of this project application, the city must analyze how the project is consistent with the other policies, goals, and objectives of the general plan, and to make sure that's not detrimental to the public health, safety, or welfare. And so staff analyzed the project, which was included with the Planning Commission staff report, which was attached to your staff report, and determined that it is compatible with adjoining land uses because it helps to bring a local serving community and all those amenities associated with that closer to a residential neighborhood that isn't really well served by uh, businesses and amenities. For example, in the map on the right, you can see that Browns Valley Marketplace and the Tree Village, which are the two closest uh, commercial centers to this site, uh, are located approximately a mile and a half away. And so this project would help to bring those amenities closer to uh, existing residents, helping to reduce vehicle miles traveled and promote active transportation. This slide shows a table comparing the different land uses that would be allowed under the existing zoning and also the proposed zoning. As you can see, uh, Parks and Recreation allows a very limited list of um, uses that are permitted within that zone compared to commercial office, which allows uses such as clinics, medical and dental offices, uh, business services, personal services, and also uh, food and beverage retail sales. Because the applicant's also proposing to change the zoning for the site, uh, the city also must analyze consistency with the rest of the zoning ordinance. The existing buildings are set back approximately 50 feet away from the existing homes and are also buffered by masonry walls and fire access roads, which helps to uh, uh, meet the current code standards for uh, commercial and residential buffers. The building height also complies with what's currently allowed under the commercial office zone. And then the project site does have uh, existing parking improvements. Uh, based on the current parking standards under the code, uh, the site would be able to accommodate most uses that are allowed under the commercial office zone. And any applications for new businesses that may have higher parking demand, 
the property owner must demonstrate that they have adequate parking or they have some sort of mechanism to ensure adequate parking prior to those types of more parking intensive uses being allowed. And that can be done by uh, something like a reciprocal parking agreement with the adjacent uh, in shape or demonstrating that businesses will have uh, different hours <coughs> that aren't overlapping to ensure that users aren't um, creating additional demand on the site. As part of the uh, environmental review for these projects, the staff did look at the existing environmental impact reports for the general plan, which were done in 2015 and 2021. And the city prepared an addendum to these environmental impact reports to analyze the change between the previous land use designation, private recreation, and the proposed one, commercial office, and determined that there was a negligible impact compared to what was already an analyzed in both of those documents and that no additional environmental analysis is required. Because the project also involves a land use change, it was taken to the Solano County Airport Land Use Commission. It's located within Zone F of the Nutri Airport Land Use Compatibility Plan and Zone D for Travis Air Force Base. And on November 9th, 2023, the AOUC determined that the project is consistent with both of those plans. In January, the project was taken to the Planning Commission where the commission voted unanimously to recommend approval of the general plan amendment and the rezoning. They did discuss uh, a few topics such as traffic and access. They did have questions about whether the project would create additional traffic impacts or have access issues. And during that hearing, uh, staff and the applicant responded that the project wouldn't have any traffic impacts within existing neighborhoods because um, the project's primary access is off of Browns Valley Road, so there wouldn't be any additional traffic that would have to go through, uh, for example, Glen Eagle Road, for example, for example. And no additional access improvements would be required as determined by Public Works. Uh, commissioners also did have questions about parking, and both InShape and the project site do have existing parking that can be uh, served by any uh, by most of the proposed uses in the commercial office zone. And as mentioned earlier, any of the more parking intensive uses would need to have to, they would need to have to demonstrate that the, the site could serve those uses. Commissioners also had questions about alcohol and tobacco sales. And the applicant did indicate at, that, um, at the planning commission hearing, and as well as in a supplemental statement provided as part of your staff report, that those uses wouldn't be viable at the project site. Um, and the applicant does have additional information as well to help further explain why they don't believe that those uses would be something that could be economically viable at that site. Um, because this is a general plan amendment and a zoning map amendment, uh, staff did conduct a variety of public outreach for this project. Uh, the city mailed a new project notice. There is uh, additional notice before your uh, initiation for the project in March of last year. The city also held a neighborhood meeting during which um, there were a few members of the public who attended, but they didn't have any questions. Um, and then there were notices mailed in advance of the planning commission and then also your hearing tonight. And so to conclude, staff supports the project because it meets the required findings for approval. It complies with the general plan, the zoning, and also state law. And then it complies with the city's development standards as they currently exist. And so staff is recommending that by simple motion, you adopt the resolution uh, considering the reaffirming the general plan environmental impact reports and adopting the general plan amendment and then also introducing by title only an ordinance amending the title 14 of the municipal code to change the zoning of the site.
And so that concludes our presentation. We'd be happy to answer any questions. And then also we have Sandra Stevenson, who's representing the property owner tonight. She's the applicant uh, to help answer any questions as well. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation. Um, sure, that before we open it up for the, the public hearing, for any questions, Councilmember Silva. Uh, thank you. And um, in the staff report, I appreciate you all kind of elaborating a little bit more, um, as well as the, the developers elaborating a little bit more on uh, concerns about uh, new state laws that allow commercial zone property to be uh, to meet to, to be used or reused repurposed for residential. So even though it's zoned commercial, um, according to certain state laws, it allows them to uh, to use that as I mentioned as residential. So I appreciate you. Uh, um, elaborate more why um, more likely that's not possible. Uh, my question is, so as to your knowledge, are there any other laws that we just haven't heard of that the, the current zoning for the in-shape facility would allow that to be converted to residential um, in our current code? So like, like for, yeah, can they convert that current in-shape site to residential as is? The, the subject of tonight's property or the adjoining Adjoining facility. property. The adjoining facility, uh, Parks and Recreation. So they wouldn't be able to do that without having to come back to City Council to change the general plan designation or the zoning okay. for the adjoining property. Okay, and that's all, thank you. And just a question, um, I believe it said not viable at this site and maybe the um, representative can come forward and explain what that might look like. Because one of the questions is, you look at it, it's in a neighborhood, right? The, the, the setting of the neighborhood is one that is residential. And yet the, the ask is, is to provide the services in these two locations that might have a daycare. Um, is there any restrictions on time of day or nighttime use or signage that would create a change in the, in the way that that neighborhood operates as far as signage, lighting, and time of day use? Are you speaking for, are you asking about other land yes. uses that could be established or specifically? Right. So if this were to change, you know, considering, <clears throat> are there any other restrictions that can be placed? Because the idea of not viable is different than not allowed. Not explicitly for alcohol sales or tobacco sales. Our municipal code already has standards in place that would limit hours of operation or control performance standards, but um, there wouldn't be anything that would be done as part of this change that would provide additional limitations that would prohibit uh, tobacco or alcohol sales. Okay. Councilmember Wiley. Uh, just one Quick question. So we're talking about the inner building and the outer building will stay as is. Is that correct? Or is it the whole, are we talking about both buildings like on the map? Both buildings. So it, it, it says that um, a daycare would not be allowed under Parks and Rec, but then there is an existing daycare. So how is that daycare existing if it's not allowed under Parks and Rec? Yes, that's a great question, uh, Councilmember Wiley. So in 2002, when the accessory buildings were first approved, they were approved as accessory to the main sports center. And there was a condition that allowed them to operate daycare as an accessory use to the main sports center. But over time, as uh, owners changed and because it's on a separate parcel, the, uh, the two owners of the site, they're now two completely different owners for <laughs> the site is no longer accessory to the sports center. 
And so that daycare facility is now what's considered a legal non-conforming use. So it's established legally, but over time, uh, it fell out of conformance because of changes in the site's ownership. So that one is allowed to be there as long as they're continuing operating, but a new one couldn't open? That's correct. Oh, okay. So uh, they, a new one can replace them as long as it's within a year of the previous one closing. In the same location? Yes. And then my other question was, has it ever been fully rented, fully utilized, and it's not being used like that now? Or was it never really fully utilized? I believe the applicant would be able to answer that question. We can have the applicant come forward. Good evening. evening, council. Thank you and staff. Thank you for your time to review this. Um, my name is Sandra Stevenson. I'm a licensed real estate broker. I specialize in commercial real estate, and I'm here representing the property owner. Um, so I'll answer your question. Um, and I'm sorry. No, well, I just I didn't know if it, well, like with marketing, could it be utilized the way it is, or is it just never was utilized okay. correctly or fully? When it was originally envisioned and originally constructed, it was meant to be offices for the owner of the health club. That owner of that health club owned four other locations. So the building originally was conceived as their administrative offices, their executive offices. So yes, it was used as office space um, from the time it was built. Uh, and it was first occupied, I believe, in 2007. Um, the change of ownership happened at the end of 2012. So then the selling entity moved out. And so since that time, the, the, the por there's a portion of the larger building that has been vacant. And I don't know if it's appropriate, but I do have a, a site plan here that I can maybe, if, if you want to see it, just for further clarification. Um, or I can explain it in many words, but I don't know. So then you think with this rezoning, it would be able to be utilized? Is, that's my question, I guess. Well, we certainly hope so, because we really, in the current um, situation, there's no way that the, prop, the, the vacant portions can be utilized because they have to be accessory uses to a property that's owned by somebody else, you see? So it's a bit of a, a, bit of a conundrum. So with this rezoning, it would allow us then to lease out the portions that are now vacant, actually and hopefully pretty close to the original uses that were originally um, envisioned for the, the property. Um, I've been doing a lot of analysis of various uses uh, that I think might be appropriate. We, we would like to stay, I would like to be able to go out and actively find users who will complement the, the Millennium Child Development Center. So such things as pediatric dentistry, tutoring, um, maybe even um, you know uh, family therapy, low intensity uses that would complement the current child development center. Um, if not that, the second my second tier of choices would be things like um, low intensity office uses, like attorneys, real estate offices where people don't actually come to the office every day; they just have a physical address. <coughs> Um, 
ways that it can cohabit with the school effectively. Um, the center building, the small square building, was actually built out to be a day spa. And it exists in that configuration today. There are six stylist stations and all the other kinds of uh, you know, uh, amenities and, and equipment that you would expect to find. Um, one possible use for that building is just, you know, keep it a spa. And but it, what my challenge with that is, it's a fairly large building, so I have to find multiple um, potential users. Half of the building is hair salon. Half the building is more like facial skincare treatments. So I'm going to have to do some creative, uh, you know, marketing to find to be able to. You utilize it for that, what it's actually exists today in, in that form. But thank you. That's a, yeah. I do want to speak to the tobacco and alcohol questions if, if that's yes, okay. Um, I, I looked into this very thoroughly. Um, we take it very seriously. And one of the comments, I believe, I believe it was made at the Planning Commission was that, well, you know, the current owner doesn't want to have any alcohol uses in the building, but what about a future user? So I really did take this very seriously. And in researching the codes, the, the, the um, substantive codes that would apply here, I think as far as alcohol uses, I don't see how any alcohol use would ever be approved there because the Alcohol and Beverage Control Board does have certain limits. So their initial standard is 100 feet from church, school, residential. So in this case, obviously with the CDC, as we call it, the Child Development Center, in the building, that would be a prohibition to restrict it. But even if the CDC were to vacate, the closest residence is 73 feet. So they can't meet their, you know, that initial threshold to even get to an alcohol use. So that I think tells me then that some of the uses that people might have concerns about, for example, a restaurant, uh, you know, serve or or even you know not a sit down, but any type of food service that might in include alcohol, it wouldn't pass that muster. But also, it probably it wouldn't be able to pass parking. Um, it wouldn't meet the parking requirement. And of course, again, we're not looking to have those kinds of uses. I just want to explain how I've, my research is, has led me to these conclusions. So I don't think alcohol. So the other question was about tobacco sales. So if it's, you might think of those two things being related. So maybe a convenience store, possibly alcohol sales, possibly tobacco sales. Um, the, that one would be precluded because of the alcohol restriction. So it kind of kind of funneled me down to only uses that were that are strictly tobacco product sales, like a smoke shop. Um, and I'm I apologize, I'm not too I'm not too versed on on those kinds of businesses, but I don't think they usually have alcohol. I think it's usually just kind of like straight tobacco sales. And so that brings me to another kind of avenue of, of analysis here, which is just from the property owner perspective. And speaking as a real estate broker, someone who markets property and 
and evaluates property from a site selection standpoint. Um, it's one thing to say, well, under the zoning, yes, you could have that kind of a retail use, but then the next question is, can you get a tenant? Would you be able to get a tenant that had that kind of a use? My own personal opinion is you wouldn't because retail uses, as, as we know, need a lot of traffic. They need good circulation. They need good signage. They need good visibility. They need to be where everybody is. They want a lot of good cross-tenancies. So for a smoke shop or even other stores, I was trying to think of what other kind of stores might carry other products and then have tobacco sales as well. So I'm including that. You know, within that realist retail environment, um, this property doesn't look very attractive. There's one driveway in and out, parking, and uh, it works great for office and for the daycare, but to have retail customers coming in and out, it's not, it was never intended for that. It was never designed for that. The building actually sits quite a bit below grade. It sits way below Browns Valley. So you only see the upper portion of the roof of the building. So it doesn't have visibility. There isn't great signage. It doesn't have storefront. If you, I don't know if anyone's been out there, but you know these, this is an office building. So there's no storefront. There are no windows. You can't have a typical retail look to the building. And that segued me into my last point, which is, because this was brought up by uh, one or more individuals that well maybe the next owner will want to do this. We have to think about right now, the building right now is built out for office and for the personal, you know, for the day spa. Those are the improvements that are in there. Those are at the office level and the day spa level. That's here. So if the current owner were to want to sell it, and I don't know that he does, but if he were to sell it, he'd be selling it on that basis. He'd be selling it on the basis of the long-term lease of the Child Development Center. He'd be selling it on the basis of those rents and the fact that he's getting higher rents because it's office, assuming that we're going to be able to lease it out. When another owner comes in, would that owner go in and remove the higher level of improvements, all the office improvements, all the spa improvements, to essentially, and not meaning pejoratively toward retail, but we all know that retail improvements are of a lesser quality and lesser scope and extent than you have with office. So would another owner, a future owner, come in, tear all of the existing higher level improvements out to put in retail that would mean the value of their asset then went down. So I couldn't arrive at a kind of a, a nexus where I could see the, the I'm not saying that it is, in, is implausible or impossible because, you know, who, <laughs> anymore we have to say almost anything sometimes can be possible. But I think it's highly implausible that you would have a retail use, find that space desirable, number one, and then have an owner who would want to, to diminish the value of the, of the asset in order to occupy it with retail. 
the, the better use of the building and the way it's designed, and you can even see from the, the aerial that Noah showed, is that it is, it is a staid, sort of a very professional feeling office building. It can have a couple of small office users in the main building, and then hopefully we can get some good personal services in the small building. Um, because what that does actually is good for everybody is that it brings the services into the, into the neighborhood and also will imp improve, just improve the, the quality of the building and it will be, become even more certain that it will remain office for the long term. And Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you sharing that, what it is you're trying to do. Um, I'm sure there'll be some questions, but I want to open up to the public now for this hearing and um, go from there. Anyone from the public wishing to speak on this, this item? Okay, I'm going to close that part of the public hearing on this item. Uh, I would like to ask staff a question. Uh, it sounds to me like the desire to make this change, the support from even the recommendation from the Planning Commission, to um, support this change. And yet it seems like the only um, controversial point is, is well, what prevents the future use that doesn't seem to be what the, the owner of the property wants, more, and also likely what some of us on the council would want to make sure that it doesn't. So what are, what's the options that the city could have to approve something like this, but also withhold any or have any restrictions other than what the, the current land use has? And if none, what would be the future response for an application that, that would be for alcohol and tobacco? So the, the answer is there would be none with this particular uh, entitlement. So the next question is what happens if somebody comes in and wants to make a change? Um, there is a chapter within our municipal code called design review. And design review is an entitlement that is at the discretion of the director of community development. Um, to make a decision on when there is a change of use. And that evaluation occurs when an application is submitted to the city for that change of use. And the city reviews to see whether or not a new use uh, would comply with parking standards, setback standards, operational characteristics, performance standards that are already outlined within the municipal code. Uh, the municipal code also identifies provisions within um, uh, for the director that if there is a particular land use or subject that involves public policy that the director could elevate that to a planning commission level uh, for public review and commenting. So there is an item, uh, there is a land use entitlement to be sought if there were a change of use that would occur at this, uh, at this location outright. There are a list of conditionally permitted uses that can be more intensive that are outlined uh, within the commercial office district. So if any of those uh, were being proposed at this location, they would outright have to go to planning commission uh, for that uh, approval. Yeah, thank you for that. I don't see any uh, lights on here as we ponder this. Is, does anyone from the council have any other comments on this or desire to make a motion? Councilmember Stock. So I, I drive by this all the time. I think this is an area that 
is clearly meant for office space and not for retail. Um, if this is going to allow the them to continue to operate businesses in Vacville, I'd like the motion that we approve the recommendation made by staff. So we have a motion and a second, and this is by simple motion and title only to adopt this. To uh, motion and second, we don't need a roll call. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you for the presentation. Is there anything else we need to do to uh, to complete this? All right, we accomplished that, right? Yes, thank you. So thank you for the presentation. Thank you for the clarification. Um, hopefully that it's pretty clear what you're looking for and what the council desires. It's, it's um, the intent behind it is very important. So thank you very much. Moving on to uh, item 8B, Mr. City Manager. Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the City Council, this next item before you is a consideration initiating a general plan amendment to change the land use designations of several properties within the uh, Industrial Interchange Business Park. Uh, Albertino is here for a presentation. Good evening, Council. The item before you tonight is the Eubanks Court and Cotting Lane General Plan Amendment Initiation. This is a request to initiate a general plan amendment to change the general plan map designation for various properties in the interchange business park from commercial office to industrial park. The graphic on the right shows the extent of where the interchange business park is located and the two properties, uh, the two areas uh, for tonight's discussion are identified in blue uh, on that map. Back in 1977, uh, the Business park development was originally approved as Crocker Land Company. It was phase two. And that outlined the city's vision for industrial development in Vacaville. Uh, over time, as industrial development occurred, the policy plan was changed to the interchange business park uh, policy plan. And that identified uh, three areas for consideration. The highway commercial designation being located along 505 and Vacaville Parkway in dark gray the office industrial type of designation that was a crosshatch, and then the uh, general industrial development that's identified in a blue diagonal hatch. In 2015, the city adopted a comprehensive update to the general plan, and land use designations for these areas, which were largely just industrial, uh, were changed to uh, correspond to what the policy plan identified. So the area in dark gray was changed to highway commercial, the area in crosshatch was changed to commercial office, and the area in blue was remained as industrial park. A follow-up action that was taken in 2022 was a comprehensive update to the Land Use Development Code, and that removed the policy plans and referred to all future development to be consistent with the municipal code. But what that did was it changed the zoning districts to be consistent with the general plan. It changed them to be, in this particular case, the crosshatch. The zoning was changed from industrial park to commercial office, to office commercial. And that's what leads us to the discussion for tonight. Three property owners that are identified on the map on the right uh, that are at 610 through 640 Eubanks Drive, as well as 855 Cotting Lane, those property owners, uh, as the change occurred in 2022, continued trying to lease out their buildings that are designed as industrial buildings. And they came across an issue where uh, industrial uses are no longer allowed, that they have to um, seek uses that are allowed within the commercial office zoning district. And so the property owners submitted an application to the city to change that, to bring it back to the industrial park designation. And they cited that it wasn't feasible to convert the buildings for commercial uses. 
Uh, and so that's the main uh, item for tonight. They're looking at changing their properties that are identified on the map to the right. And the main purpose is so that they can continue leasing for industrial uses. The current general plan designation is commercial office, and that's largely for retail and business services. They serve as a transition area between residential and other uses like industrial parks. The zoning is office commercial, which is consistent with the general plan, and it also allows for commercial public and other residential uses, but industrial uses are prohibited. As part of this exercise, staff looked at other areas that could be somewhat problematic, and we found that there's four additional locations that would uh, that have the same characteristics that were changed to commercial office, but they were developed as industrial buildings or parking lots serving other industrial uses. That's at 700 Eubanks Drive, 803 Vaca Valley Parkway, 250 Crocker Drive, and 300 Crocker Drive. And so uh, with this, we identified that this is probably the expanded scope of the changes that should be in consideration for city council tonight, because although we haven't received a request or a complaint about uh, somebody trying to lease these properties, we anticipate because they have the same characteristics that we would likely have the same issue uh, for these additional sites. If city council decides to move forward with these additional properties, we would coordinate with those property owners to let them know about this proposal. This is just a comparison to show you what uses are allowed within office commercial zoning districts uh, and then which ones the property owners are really trying to lease for an industrial park zoning district. You're looking at general industrial, contractor shops, warehousing and wholesaling. These are what the types of uses uh, are intended to be within those existing industrial buildings that are out there now. Uh, any proposed amendment to the city's general plan has a certain set of findings that need to be considered. Uh, the amendment has to be consistent with general plan goals, objectives, and policies. It can't be detrimental to public health, safety, and welfare. Um, whatever the change is, it has to continue to maintain an appropriate balance of land uses. Uh, the change has to be consistent with state law and compatible with adjoining land uses. There are some potential benefits to consider with this proposed amendment. It would help us maintain existing inventory of industrial buildings for industrial uses. The smaller buildings uh, for the project site would lend themselves well for smaller uh, industrial uses, maybe from some startup businesses. Uh, and then this would also address the property owner's concern with their trying to lease uh, for industrial uses. Uh, the initiation doesn't come lightly. Non-initiation uh, applications must be initiated by city council. Prior to being able to submit a formal development application, city council could approve or deny this initiation request. An approval of an initiation doesn't mean that they're guaranteed uh, approval for a formal application. Uh, the approval of the um, initiation only allows the applicant to submit a more formal detailed application that staff could use for more detailed analysis that will come back before city council at a future date. So there are some next steps if city council decides to initiate the general plan amendment uh, initiation request. Uh, we would work with the property owners as well as those additional properties too. Um, they would need to submit a more detailed application and then would include a general plan amendment, zoning map amendment, airport of area and influence review, as well as an environmental assessment, kind of like what you already saw tonight for the Millennium Center. Uh, but also city council could decide not to initiate the uh, amendment request. The applicant will, would withdraw the application and then uh, they would be refunded any unused funds that they submitted for their application. To conclude, uh, staff supports initiation request. It would an, allow staff to do a more thorough analysis with the proposal. It would address the property owner's concerns and it would help um, 
really maintain uh, the city's existing inventory of industrial buildings that are intended for industrial uses. With that, staff has a recommendation to initiate the amendment. And uh, that concludes my presentation. The applicants are also here to speak and let you know about their concerns associated with this. And, and they're here to answer any questions. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Councilmember Silva. Um, thanks for the overview. Don't really have an issue with this, uh, but just need to clarify, is there any concerns with uses surrounding uh, fire stations? Uh, that would be something that we would take a look at as part of the development application. Um, we, we don't know at this time. Uh, so that would be something that would come back to us for... Correct, yes. Consider if something pops up. Correct, yes. That's that's part of the detailed analysis is we would look at, uh, we'd groom through the code, see here's all the land uses, what are the adjoining uses look like, are they going to be compatible, is there a potential to introduce a new land use that might have problems with, for instance, the fire station that's there on Eubanks Court. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. And seeing how that this was based on an application, I'd like to ask the applicant to come forward and maybe share their their position and uh, their, their request. Good evening. I'm Klein. I'm uh, one of the three property owners uh, as part of this application. And, um, let, me first, uh, let me first say that context to Albert's presentation. Um, these three properties have operated as industrial parks, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, for over 30 years now. Um, to answer your question, Councilman, the, <clears throat> as far as the fire department goes, the two of the Eubanks Court properties, they are in the far corner of the business park. Uh, they've been there for we are right next to the fire station 73 training center and we've happily coexisted for a long time <clears throat> the other the the other side of our property on the west side is and the we're basically at the southern end of the banks drive industrial corridor that terminates up at midway where the new amazon uh, the other property, the third property, is on the north side of Cotting Lane. And as you saw on the map there, it is completely surrounded east, west, and north by industrial buildings. Both of these properties have been in <clears throat> traditional industrial zones. So they've been operating for over 30 years. Between the three of our properties, they are home to 35 <clears throat> excuse me, Vacaville small businesses. And the <clears throat> most important thing that I'd like to underscore for tonight is so that you understand under the new zoning, when there's a vacancy, when one of these small business tenants moves on and another one wants to join us, uh, we have to replace that tenant with an office tenant. And that is impossible. That is, that's literally impossible in our industrial buildings. They are completely unsuitable to office use. So we have property that Vacaville Small Business wants and needs. And actually, the kind of units that we have there that we have to offer 
are small unit industrial, small industrial units, which are in very short supply in, in the city. And we can't lease it now. We're the only tenants that can, that can lease that space. Uh, but beyond that, we can no longer sell our properties. We can't even get a loan on our properties anymore. We can't refinance our properties because no lender and no buyer wants to touch a property whose zoning is incompatible with its developed use, right? So this means long-term, if the zoning remains in place, is that the properties continue to get more and more vacant because you can't then fill them with tenants and eventually go, go dark. So that's why we're here tonight. You know, we are, um, we're, we're hopeful that we can get this change back to industrial so we can continue to operate our businesses and continue to serve the Vacaville small business community by providing this small unit space <coughs> that's in short supply. Well, thank you, since you're here, just a quick question. How, um, since this has occurred, I mean, how many vacancies do you have because of this right now? Or the city has been, um, Albert and Aaron have been very helpful uh, to us in working with us with uses uh, for this last year. You know, I just became aware of this in December of 2022. This happened in May of 2022. So we have been working closely with the city and they've been very cooperative with us. So with these small spaces, they're coming up regularly. We've been able to work with work with them, but um, by this has been largely discretionary, and you know we need to get back to a place where we can actually, you know, operate within, you know, within zoning. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate thank you. it. Thank you. Any other applicants wishing to to speak? Mayor Carley, council members, city staff. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you tonight regarding this agenda item. My name is Joe Grappolo. I'm representing the Grappolo LLC properties, which is the small triangle by itself on the north end. Um, before I begin, uh, I'd like to echo uh, what you, uh, Tom just said. Uh, I'd like to first comment on the positive experience I've had uh, working with the city of Ackerville staff, specifically senior planner Albert Annault and director Aaron Morse. Um, as you can imagine, finding out the city had changed zoning on our decades-long real estate holdings was a complete shock. Um, additionally, learning the required process and expense to reverse these changes has been equally surprising. To that end, I'd like to personally thank Albert and Aaron for their professionalism, rational thinking, prompt responses, and overall guidance to bring this matter to you before you tonight. I've worked with a lot of city staff in and around the Bay Area and Albert and Aaron are some of the best. However, the impacts of the 22 zoning changes still remain. We are, I am confused as to why you would single out 855 Cotting Lane, surrounded by industrial. Albert, if you don't mind going back to the background slide, because your slide actually shows it's in the crosshatched area. It's not in the crosshatched area, it's in the area three industrial. So why would you take our little sliver of industrial 
and change it when it's sitting in industrial. So that, that is a question that still remains. Um, hopefully that point's well taken. In conclusion, I ask the council to unanimously vote to reinstate all the parcels listed in this agenda item back to their previous zoning classification of industrial park and at no further expense to the landowners. The owners and developers of these industrial buildings saw the potential and value in the city of Vacaville decades ago. We chose to invest in you and in our community. I ask that you now reciprocate. Choose to value and invest in the owners and the facilities that we are providing for dozens of Vacaville small businesses. Lastly, I ask the council to reconsider reimbursement of all related expenses incurred to date for something that's obviously an error. It is my hope you too find these recent zone changes unreasonable, irrational, and without consideration to the existing structures that remain. Thank you for consideration to these requests. Thank you. Councilmember Stockton, did you have a question? Sorry, sir. That, that, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it looks like there's a question for you. Sorry. Um, what, what are your expenses? Uh, we're probably 16,000. The application for the application. Yeah. But my concern is if we have to go through the process, you know, the estimated expenses, you know, I've heard numbers of 60,000, which the three of us are going to split, but that's still. That's so those are personal or is that collectively amongst everyone? Uh, what's the collective? That you've already spent? Spend 16, yes. Okay, that's why I was, yeah. I wanted yeah. to clarify. Yeah. But right. you anticipate that it could cost that much more, up to $60,000, if this isn't changed. That's correct? If, in order to change it back to go through the correct. process, there's additional expense. Thank you. Repeated it because nobody could hear him. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Good evening. Council members, and thank you for being here this evening to hear us. My name is Dan Breiner, and uh, I'm the owner of a multi-tenant industrial building, which is adjacent to Mr. Klein's on Eubanks Court, 610 Eubanks Court. I have owned that and refurbished that over the past 21 plus years. Um, I'm not a stranger to Vacaville. Previously, I refurbished the Vacaville Village Shopping Center on Peabody Road. So. I believe in Vacaville, I'm invested in it, and uh, I'm here tonight to talk about uh, rezoning this property back to multi-tenant industrial. Um, we are, as been spoken already, uh, an incubator type business. We have, we accommodate smaller tenants. I've had many tenants move out to get a larger space. Um, it's an important support for the community. Current. Uh, Industrial buildings being constructed, you see a lot by Buzz Oats. There are larger tenants. They do have some multi-tenant buildings that they're putting up, but these are typically larger in size with maybe a 20 to 25,000 or 30,000 square foot size for each uh, space in their multi-tenant building. That is too large for most of the tenants that I have, actually for all of the tenants that I have until they can matriculate up. 
So we serve the community, our type of business, our type of industrial building serves the community as an incubator. Um, and I've had a number of tenants pass through uh, my building. Uh, a number of them you probably know if you have your, if you have your yard done by cast pest control, maybe you have your air conditioner done by Anthony or all weather HVAC. There's a number, or maybe you go to your church and your clergy members are having their robes done by clergy image. Those are just some of the small tenants in my building and they, they support the community. The other thing I'd like to mention, and before I go further, I'd like to also acknowledge Aaron Morris for being receptive to my initial calls on this, and a special thanks to Albert Enot for, for helping us through this process. He's been instrumental in that, and his staff has been very supportive. Um, I'd like to talk about, for a minute, the catastrophic implications of this rezoning. Smaller residential or smaller industrial property is not really feasible to develop. It's too small. You have to put bathrooms into each, each space. It's too costly around here. You can't get the rent to support it. So we're kind of, we're kind of something that's not being reproduced on a, on a scale that's uh, meaningful. And um, the thing is that it's important to the tenancies that, that are available to take our space now. The other thing is that, I'm getting lost here in a second, but the, um, the impact of the rezoning uh, on our tenants to start with, a lot of them have um, put a lot of time into developing their business. Maybe they're getting ready to retire. They've put improvements into the space that's already there. Now it's rezoned. And so they're trying to sell it, maybe to retire. It's not going to happen. They can't get financing on it. Um, people that are moving in look at the rezoning. They look at their limited. What are they going to do when it comes around to sell again? It impacts them directly. For the owners, and this has already been covered, but supposing you own the building, and five or six years ago, you put a loan on that building to make some improvements, support the community. You made improvements on your building. Now it's been rezoned. Time to refinance. Go to the bank, and the bank says, wait a minute, the building has been rezoned. We can't lend on it again. You cannot refinance your building. It's catastrophic. They have to call the loan. You're put in a position of what are you going to do to pay off this loan? or you're gonna lose your property. That's the position potentially that we are in. So it's a major consideration for all of us that only small industrial properties that have been rezoned for commercial office. The other thing, the shift of time, and I've been doing this for 40 years plus. I don't wanna make you jealous because it's a tough business. But you know the, the situation right now is we know that office is not favorable. I've seen more space, office space, for sale in the business than I ever have before. Now, there's more office buildings, but they're in trouble all over. And you see this also with uh, San Francisco and some of the other areas where this is a problem. You see it with tech now where they're laying off a lot of people. So to zone something like this in Vacaville, which is developing, but it's not, it's not San Francisco, the implications of trying to bring in technology 
and this whole strip by rezoning it is, is likely years away and it's gonna hurt your existing business and dramatically your existing property owners like myself. So um, that is probably the major point I have to make. <laughs> I'd also like to mention that it came up about impact of continued industrial zoning in this location. My property and Mr. Klein's property backs up to Puda Creek on one side. On the other side, I've got uh, Mr. Mr. Klein's property and of course the fire station and then Vaca Valley Parkway. So in no way am I going to ever have any impact on any future residential development. I think we are situated in such a situation right now where we are, we are in a good location for multi-tenant industrial. And I would really hope that this council will reconsider this situation and uh, rezone us back to multi-tenant industrial. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, I appreciate it. Are there any other applicants? I wanted to make sure that those who are part of this application process had a chance to speak. Good evening. Uh, my name is Jim Sutton. I'm the owner at 803 Vaca Valley Parkway. Um, talked to Albert on the phone and um, we're explaining we, he wanted us to come down and we're on the corner of Eubanks and right on the corner there. Yes. We have a, a window manufacturing business, a mechanic shop, and a, a slide in industrial assembly plant. That was that's been there for a number of years. Um, at this point, um, I'm getting to the retirement age, and this is my real estate agent. And I've been notified that with this, we have an SBA loan on the on the business. And I can't rent to a tenant in the middle. I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck. Um, we have a large mortgage. Um, without that income coming in, it's going to become very hard to overcome this. So. Just wanted to piggyback on Tom's and, and thank you, Albert, for, for inviting us today. But we really need a, a rezoning back to what we've been for 20 plus years. So, thank you. And, and to echo the, uh, the comments previously by Tom, um, I'm Justin Cisco. I'm a real estate broker. Um, Jim's my client. Uh, ABC Windows has been in business for 1959. They operate out of that building. Um, so um, he is getting to that age, so he asked me to do a market analysis. Um, so in doing so, just through the grapevine, I spoke to another real estate broker who informed me about the rezoning and um, obviously a, a huge negative impact to the value, um, to the future use, to the marketability of the, of the building, being an industrial building with huge roll-up doors and, and trying to convert it to office is just simply not feasible. So. We reached out to Albert, he mentioned tonight would be a city council meeting to present our concerns. And um, that's why we're here tonight. And I think, you know, it's pretty obvious that these buildings in this location need to stay industrial um, unless, you know, it's just not feasible to switch it to office space and you're just gonna have a vacant vacant building with, with you know, nobody using it. So um, that's all we had to say. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So with it, I would like to open up to the public for any comment during this public hearing. Hello, 
um, Greg Smith, CBRE, also a commercial brokerage company. I represent the owners of the Cotting Lane facility. And the main point I wanted to make is that it was mentioned before, but in order to build something similar, so if you got rid of these buildings that take in close to 40 tenants to try to and build buildings so that they could stay in Vacaville and, and fill those, uh, land developers aren't building that type of building right now. The, the rents don't justify it. So everything that you've seen in Vacaville and Solano County that's been built is 50,000 square feet or larger. You know, these are 2,000 square foot units or 1,800 square foot units or less. And so the cost to do that is just prohibitive. Uh, so it would be years before you could see any, that I would imagine uh, a building similar to these being built in Vacaville. And so you're, you're just totally, you know, getting rid of the small business uh, owners and that use industrial. You know, these are all, like they said, 30 year plus old buildings that uh, have grade level doors in the back. You know, they're parked for industrial. They're not parked for office users. You know, they're just not compatible for office use. So uh, just wanted to lend my support and, and hope that you guys see it uh, in order to, to change it back. You know, it's interesting, the ones on Crocker, you have an Amazon building that's 321,000 feet. That was changed too, <laughs> you know, so that's never gonna be an office building. And the building below it at 250 Crocker is Thermo Fisher, you know, so it's just, these buildings are industrial buildings. You know, the Amazon building has docks and, you know, big, you know, it's just, um, I don't think they thought of what was built, you know, at the time when this was changed in 2015 and then 2023. So that's Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, Council. Just a little bit of information that might raise more questions. I'm familiar with the buildings on Eubanks. I uh, can't speak to Crocker. When I came to Vacaville, I was the only uh, hazmat specialist in the city and I was reassigned to station three, now 73, and one of my assignments. And then when I was transferred to the bureau as an investigator inspector, um, I inspected those buildings. And one of the reasons was with my background in education prior to coming to Vacaville is when I inspected some of those buildings, one of the history that I was told, I can't verify this, is that some of those warehouses were built by Chevron because I was amazed at the uncommon fire suppression systems that existed in those buildings. So you, you're not gonna find them just about anywhere. They're very rare because of their capacity, what they're designed for. I don't know if the tenants have changed any of that or downgraded it, but some of those buildings, particularly on Eubanks, have a fire suppression system that can accommodate very dangerous and, and uh, technical fire control systems. Hopefully they haven't taken them out, something to think about, but you probably won't get that type of system back in the back of Bill because they're, they're bloody expensive. That's all, thank you. Thanks for sharing. I'm gonna close public <laughs> comment on this hearing and a couple questions for staff. Um, and I see some lights as well. I guess the, um, the, the question is, is clearly there's an application from several of the property owners and then staff recognizes the, the ask 
in what would be a general plan amendment process that requires the applicants to go through a process where there's fees and, and the, the hearing process. But on top of that, there is also identified other properties that fall under this same, okay, we probably need to relook at some of these other properties because they have similar issues. Is it staff's opinion based on this, and I know it's early, that uh, these, these properties should be rezoned? And, or to the degree that you can answer that because obviously this is a hearing for a process, but you included other properties where there wasn't an applicant. Yes, they're supposed to be industrial properties. They were designed as such. The original policy plan uh, included provisions for them to do either office or industrial type of development. And all of those properties were designed as industrial. So then from at 20, in 2015, there was clearly, um, the general plan was amended and it was um, converted to office. It was at a time when there may have been a greater desire for offices. And obviously we're in a different world today. But given the actual design and use of those properties, looking back, not just because there's a need, but because of the design, I know some of these properties, it's not where you're gonna have general offices, right? They're, they're really, it, it isn't really designed for the kind of office space that we would have. It seems to me that somewhere along the line, decisions were made maybe for all the right reasons, but in all practicality, here we are in 2024, maybe without pointing fingers saying, probably got this one wrong. Someone, somewhere along the line, maybe we got this one wrong. That's a fair statement? I'm not saying you, I'm just saying we're looking at this and going, I look at this, what the applicant is saying makes sense. I know the properties fairly well. And so not to put the city on the spot, but I think it's a fair conversation that we have. Sorry. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, Aaron Morris, Community Development Director. To speak briefly to your what you just said, actually, um, in 2015, when the city adopted a comprehensive general plan update, it's something you do every 20 years, the 20-year vision for these properties was that they would convert from you know lower intensity, possibly industrial uses, to perhaps to some gleaming office buildings. A lot of cities planned a lot of office back in the the mid uh, 2010s for a variety of reasons. And since that time, both staff and, and clearly the property owners, and now maybe the council, we have the benefit of nine years of hindsight that uh, the office market um, is not um, particularly strong and probably won't recover um, in the next 11 years until we update the general plan. Um, I did want to touch on something that Albert did not touch on, which is that when we met with these property owners initially, we actually encouraged them to talk to others and to build a coalition, um, possibly as a cost-sharing method, because we, we explained if they would wait until seven years from now or whenever it is that we embark on a comprehensive general plan update, these kind of changes can be rolled into that comprehensive update and can be packaged with other ones. But because they, for a variety of urgent reasons, want to move forward ahead of the comprehensive update, that's why we advise them to file these applications so that we could bring this to the council. And if you support it, then um, move forward with, with the general plan amendments and rezoning. Hindsight is a, is a very powerful thing. I, I understand that. And there's been a lot of changes in development in the last nine years to inform us. I, I clearly get it. Sometimes it just creates a, an optics of, wow, the designs of these buildings were pretty clear for what they were. And uh, 
from an applicant's perspective, it, it may seem uh, like it. How did this make sense when somebody was doing? But I get it. It's a it's a vast you know update that is done citywide, and so sometimes things like that become part of the uh, the changes, and they might have these unintended consequences. So, Councilmember Silver. <clears throat> yeah, just um, it's, it's kind of weird because like you know hearing the specific dates and then here it's you know beginning of 2024, um, you know and I don't know where council feels but like you know just the concept of accountability right I think number one whether it's past councils current council like it's regardless uh, it's really about you know if if there's something that we need to be accountable for and, and uh, correct and I I think. The feeling I get most of the time, council is pretty on board with we're correcting that. Uh, I'm just kind of confused as we go along with this process, um, just to kind of further elaborate. You know, what where was the engagement with with the folks? Because it sounds like maybe it feels like they don't they didn't know um, their request is to not have to compass you know pay for anything, um, and then um, still kind of hear about the the concept behind uh, switching a. Uh, commercial office, how that's challenging, or you know, we thought it was promising at one point, and now it's not. Um, hearing those comments from from those folks doesn't very doesn't give me much confidence of what we just approved in the previous item. Um, but uh, you know, uh, I don't know. So kind of where I'm with that is, you know, I'm, I'm hearing requests f uh, from from uh, this different stakeholders. I'm kind of curious to get more input and feedback um, before I'm comfortable making a decision or anything like that. Um, as we move along this process. So and if there's anyone to add to that, you're welcome to. I would just say that uh, our zoning map and our general plan map, it's not uncommon that we would see changes occur for basic maintenance. This is one of those situations where it just makes sense to make those changes. Um, there was a vision that was originally intended, but it's again, it's not uncommon uh, for these types of things that happen. Uh, state law already anticipates that cities will need to make amendments to their general plan. That's why they cap it at four times a year. Councilmember Stockton. Yeah, thank you for the presentation. Thanks for um, working with this group of people. I know Mr. Klein and I <clears throat> have had several conversations, and it is good to hear that their experience working with you has been a positive one. So I want to thank you, Albert, and staff for working with them, encouraging them to come and all be heard today. Um, clearly, I think our council is always trying to act in the best interest of our city, the businesses here. We all got here because we wanted to help. Sometimes we miss our mark. Sometimes we there are unforeseen consequences, um, even with the best of intentions. And so uh, clearly there's been an impact from this rezoning um, to these small businesses that we want to encourage to stay here, continue to operate here in Vacaville. So um, I am in favor of, of moving forward with um, this process to help them not have to retrofit their businesses or, um, or do anything to, um, have to you know, change their plan on how they want to um, sell them or fill them with, um, with businesses. So uh, I also don't want them to incur any sort of financial cost. I think this is something clearly we had the best of intentions with. And if it's something that we can uh, remedy today without them having to incur those costs, I'd be in favor of that. Vice Mayor Ritchie. Okay. I thank you so much for that, everybody showing up the applicants. Um, I kind of actually want to echo some of what Councilman Stockton just said. Um, 
as we're talking, um, one of my favorite authors, uh, Jocko Wilkins, Extreme Ownership. This is one of those moments where we got to take accountability and be honest. Um, you know, the, the, the general plan is crazy. They're, they're, they're updated every 20 years. I mean, one of our updates, the internet wasn't even available. And now we're trying to forecast how this world's going to be 20 years later. We can blow it. But we have to have the common sense to realize sometimes our general plan, our idea of the future or what's going to come could take a violent left turn and has through COVID, it has through a lot of things, the, the perceived value of office space. And, and there's been numerous things that have been way out of left field. And we need to take ownership and realize that we can't just be status quo and say, well, it, we thought that way. Um, we're wrong. We're, I mean, we are wrong. Most cities in California are wrong. Most cities in America were dramatically wrong. So we need to kind of right the wrong and just move on. Um, on a personal experience, when I first came back to Vacaville, I spent a lot of time in the business park because I was a small little budding small business. And I relied on a lot of people in that business park. I got signs made there. I had all my shirts made there. And they have now graduated and bought their own building. I've used so many services in that little court because as one small business to another, we couldn't afford to do more. And I really gave my business to the local business instead of online. And so I've seen the incubator effect of what they've done to give people the chances. And everyone needs to have that starting launch pad. And if we don't give the opportunity to have smaller commercial spaces available, we're gonna stifle development, stifle opportunity. We're not gonna make an environment backfill that small businesses and people want to have an entrepreneurial spirit and want to stay here. They're gonna go somewhere else. I mean, if we don't right the wrong and allow for small space industrial usage to be in a place that they can collaborate together, it's just, it's something that I think is really bad. Um, it's just, when it comes to the whole conversation, like it, it's almost like they're, in, they're insoluble. Like it's, I think they're being nice about how, how bad it is for them because we've created a situation where people are turning their keys over to banks because we've, they have a cloud on title. If they need to do anything right now, they can't even get a loan for a dollar because the usage of that commercial space does not match what legally that building is owned for. A bank will not be able to lend to that anyone because the intent, purpose, and usage of that building does not go with the title and code. It has to match. A commercial tra transaction has to match the usage and the title and code. So right now, through our mistake, we've enabled them to sell, transfer title, refinance, restructure, find ways to take the equity they've earned for 30 years to reinvest back in the community. They're just stuck. And I think it's not fair that if they made a change that said, hey, you guys, you guys were operating correctly and we caught you, but we oppose this on them. And I think it's really important for us to say, you know what, it wasn't our intent to hurt them, but the miscalculation of the zoning did and then the guideline. So I agree with Councilman Stockton. Um, regardless, they want to sell it. Regardless, they want to restructure the debt and rehab it, redo it. It's going to be a benefit to the community. I would just hope that, you know, by us hopefully all seeing eye to eye, making this change, that they at least remember the favor or how we, we, we saw right or wrongly to be righted, and they can pass that opportunity on to another small business. I mean, you know, it's capitalism. They're going to try to get the highest and best use of value. But 
I just know how important it was for the business I worked with when I would go there to get my services. They really needed those spaces. So for them to be able to not incur other expenses and other costs to either keep it or sell it, that would also lower the bar for the next person to enter that door and kind of start their dream. So I think by having the fees for the situation as low as possible, hopefully they won't pass that, that, that non-existent cost on to the next person that has a dream and wants, wants to sign up. So that's just my, my passion and position. I think it's something we should really fix right now. Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, I'll keep this short. I agree with what my previous council members said that, yeah, we shouldn't rezone it back to what it was before. And I don't think they should have to pay for something that is imposed on them by the city. Uh, another thing I'd like to see is possibly reach out to those other property owners, which you showed on the map. And that way we can do this one shot instead of onesie twosies. We can just take care of all of it at one time. So that's my comments. Thank you. And I and I do believe um, there are there's a there's an amendment to this that shows there's multiple properties that you looked at. Uh, City manager. Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. So um, I appreciate the comments from the business owners and the council regarding the uh, item before you tonight and the uh, extra. Uh, request and direction related to uh, the payment of fees. So just to be clear, however, um, that particular action does require specific action by the city council. And unfortunately it was not included in part of this particular report. So um, I heard you loud and clear that we would, you know, need to bring that back as a future item for right. council discussion. Um, yes, so that's- um, Can they be separate? No. But yeah, we would have we to approve this tonight and then bring that. That's Absolutely. Right. So that's the council the, can move forward tonight with tonight's action. and With then, a re, with the ask to, for staff to come back with, at, with at a future date, an, we an can item on this fee issue. Yes. That subject, yes. And if that's the case, um, I guess the question to staff is, while you looked at uh, this particular land use and we only get uh, four times a year to do it, if this is an opportunity to actually make a correction and we miss something and there's the opportunity for additional outreach, um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make this bigger than it is, but I don't, I also don't want to leave anybody out in that area. Well, and, and, and there, there, there's another side of the story that's not included in this report as well. And right. I don't want to come across as anything other than what the action is right. tonight. Well, I realize we can't do anything other than the action tonight. I understood, but I, I just want to share with you that the, the transaction that changed the zoning in 2022 did go through a legal hearing process. Yeah. And it's absolutely above board and everything. And you know, I understand that there's yeah. um, some new consequences here that we're discussing tonight. And I think that, you know, based on this new information that we're hearing tonight about the reimbursement, uh, we can have a, a detailed discussion about that at a future date. It sounds like even from you know, Director Morris, your comments, uh, there's a lot we can look at in nine years of hindsight and a lot of changes and how did we get here? The key is where, where do we go from here? And trying to do what is best for the community, best for the landowners and also predicting what, what's changed. And so uh, before I ask for a motion, uh, I do see uh, Councilmember Wiley. Thanks for the information. I really appreciated hearing all the the real life behind this um, item. And thanks for the work on our staff that have been working with the landowners. If we go forward, which it sounds like we'll probably have a positive vote shortly, um, 
What's the time frame on getting that changed? And if there's someone that needs to have a bank clarification or a business that's looking at leaving, can we say that if, if it passes, that it's tentatively going to be approved? Or tell me the time frame. Processes um, probably take around six months. I'm rounding a little bit because we will do additional notification to the owners who are not here this evening, but that would be affected by the change and we'll have some front-loaded public process. Um, but in about six months, I imagine we could get this back to council. Uh, this would be, of course, separate from the, the fee discussion that would need to come back sooner. Um, is that... Is that helpful? Okay, that's what I wanted to know. And if, and if banks or anyone reached out to us or lenders, once the application's moving, we can also share that information with interested parties. And in my experience, that does actually help. Uh, staff could never promise anyone an outcome, ever. But what we can say is talk about this meeting, talk about the support that was expressed, and also um, be moving on a, an articulated schedule to make it happen. So are you looking for a motion, Mayor? Um, I do see a light from uh, Councilmember Stockton Discussion, a fee discussion. Yeah. Okay. So that's the motion is, is to approve uh, by simple motion. So we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Well, thank you very much for the presentation. Um, it looks like there's a, just a little work to be done on this. And that's what the public hearing is for, is to understand the issue. And sometimes this is the opportunity to make some clarifications. So, and I do appreciate, Mr. City Manager, your you know, your additional comments. It followed, we follow the processes, but, but here we are, it's 2024. And it's not, it's not by anyone's uh, wrongdoing in any stretch. It's just that this is where we find ourselves. So, so thank you. So moving on to uh, item 9A, business. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the council, this final item before you tonight are multiple actions related to the completion of the Mariposa Neighborhood Center Improvement Project. Brian Oxley, your city engineer, is. Good evening, Mayor, uh, Vice Mayor, and Council members. I'm here to present the Mariposa Neighborhood Center Improvement Project. The Mariposa Neighborhood Center is a city-owned facility, and the building is currently leased by 211 Kids for a youth development program at, and the Child Start Head Start Preschool program. <clears throat> the Community Development Block Grant of 2020-2025 consolidated plan identified the improvements to the site to benefit the children and the youth in the low income target area. The project meets CEQA requirements and no further environmental review is required. The project meets the following strategic uh, city strategic goals. Goal number three, protect Vacaville's quality of life. Goal number four, maintain effective and efficient services. Goal number five, promote community engagement and increased equity and inclusion. The facility is located at the intersection of Alamo Drive and Mariposa Avenue. The map on the right shows the location for the proposed Mariposa Center, the playground and the dog park. The project includes improvements to the neighborhood center building, installation of playground equipment and landscaping, and also the construction of a dog park and miscellaneous improvements. The project was separated into multiple bid items that include the base bid and the additive alternatives. 
additive alternatives uh, are utilized in bidding as a way of achieving the maximum amount of improvements for the project. This allows the city to be able to ensure the most important improvements are included in the project while providing a method to include additive improvements to the project if desired. The next two slides describe the base bid and the additive alternates. The project was uh, advertised on December 3rd and three bids were received and opened on January 11th. Based on the lowest bid received, there's adequate funding for the base bid and the three additive alternatives shown here. The items of work are as follows. The base bid, which is the building renovation, including the bathroom remodel, painting, flooring, and ADA improvements. Additive alternate one includes the installation of playground equipment, landscaping, and fencing of the playground area. Number two includes a bottle fill station at the playground with uh, the pet fountain. And number six includes updating and striping of the parking lot. The following items of work were included in the bid. However, additional funding is required to add these items in the construction contract if council so desires. These items include additive alternate number three, which is the construction of a dog park and installation of galvanized chain link fencing around the dog park. Number four is to remove the damaged masonry wall located on the western edge of the property line and extend the chain link fencing around the dog park. Number five is an add, uh, to add an all-weather entrance at the vehicle maintenance gate to the dog park. And number seven, deletes the chain link fencing from the contract and instead uh, installs architectural fencing around the dog park and the playground. The lowest bidder was determined, <clears throat> excuse me, by the base bid, which is the building renovations and additive alternate one, which is the playground and landscaping meaning that the contract will be awarded to the contractor who has the lowest bid for the base bid and alternate one. On, the, on that basis, the low bidder for the project is M3 Integrated Services. Now that the lowest bidder has been determined, the city now has the options to add uh, additive alternates. If council authorizes the construction of the contract, the anticipated start date would be uh, in April. The current funding for the project includes 263,000 of Measure M funds and housing and community services included $736,545 in community development block grant funds. As was discussed, the project has adequate funding for the building renovations, playground, <laughs> landscaping, water station, and striping of the parking lot. However, additional funding is required for the construction of the dog park and the associated improvements and installation of architectural fencing uh, for the playground and the dog park. So option one is to award the base bid and all seven of the additive alternates. This option will require additional funding, which is proposed to be one from the reallocation of 160,000 of remaining Measure M funds from the Centennial and Arlington ball field lighting project that was completed this past year and two, an additional 280,000 in Measure M funds. Option two is to award the base bid and only additive alternates one, two, and six, which include the building renovations, playground, landscaping, water station uh, at the playground and striping of the parking lot. And this, op this option will not require any additional funding. 
And finally, staff recommends a city council approve option one, which is the approving the reallocation of 160,000 of Measure M funding previously allocated to the Centennial and Arlington Ballfield Lighting Project to the Mariposa Neighborhood Center Improvement Project and approving the allocation of an additional 280,000 of Measure M, <clears throat> excuse me, Measure M funding to the project. And finally, awarding the construction contract for the Mariposa Neighborhood Center Improvement Project to the apparent low bidder M3 Integrated Services in the amount of $921,962. And this concludes my presentation. I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. And thank you for the presentation. And uh, real quick question, could you explain the, the reallocation of the 160,000? Did that come from a completion where it's uh, no longer needed in a particular project and simply the reallocation? Could you explain that? Yes, uh, this past year we've uh, had finalized construction on the Centennial Arlington Ballfield Lighting Project. Um, all payments have been made to the contractor, architects, and so those are the remaining funds um, from that project that we are requesting be reallocated. Great, yeah, thank you. I'm gonna open up to the public for any comment. And I'll bring it back to the council. I don't see any questions. I know that this is uh, something that has been discussed by staff and I know from former council members who are very interested and it's nice to see when we can uh, do a, an uplift. Sometimes you look at the, the, the variety. I, I do appreciate the, the process and how staff was able to get the, the bids and then almost like a cafeteria style, look at the alternates so that we could, we could achieve what our objectives are, were but also to understand what else could we get based upon what we're willing to spend to truly uplift this uh, this particular facility and potential dog park? So, Councilmember Silva. And I know our Councilmember Chapman's unfortunately not able to attend today, but um, even prior to her serving in the position that she currently is, uh, the gardens, or what we refer, where those locals refer to as the gardens, um, it's always been a challenge for a lot of families. Um, that are living there and trying to find positive, productive things to, to for their kids to do, uh, different, more positive outlets than what, um, you know, maybe sometimes has been a struggle for the area. So um, I know the Levin uh, is one of the, the, the leases, I guess, the, of that particular lot. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see that, you know, this uh, investing in funds to help uh, bring up the area so that way they or other organizations can better serve um, the families in the area, I think, um, I'm hoping that it's really something that helps out future generations. So, um, uh, thank you all. Councilmember Wiley. Uh, um, I'm very happy that we were able to complete the ballpark lighting because it's great to have that in Arlington and also Centennial and be able to do that under budget and to then be able to use this 160,000 on this project, which is also sorely needed um, because a lot of people use that and really it's pretty deplorable when you see it now. So just kudos, it looks great and I'm fully in favor and behind this. All right, uh, do, I have a, do I have a motion? I make a motion. So, Councilmember Wiley's motion. We have a second, and the and the motion is is to to approve option one. So let's make sure we know that we're approving option one, which is all the items listed. Which, am I correct, Mr. City Manager? Yes. Well, we're seeking that direction. So, right. if, 
I, I know I don't see it on there, but I know that that was the presentation. So, so to clarify, the, your motion is is to to move option one, right. and the second All still the holds. Yes, yes. Motion is second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Well, thank you very much. Uh, this is good for um, you know for this particular part of the, our community and to uplift it. So, thank you very much. Mr. City Manager, uh, any reports tonight? Yeah, actually, I, I just thought of one that I wanted to give a quick shout out to. Um, this past Saturday, um, our Parks and Recreation Department hosted its first um, Centennial Bike Park plan with the community, community outreach effort. Uh, we had uh, over 50 people of varying ages and skill level. Um, so it was a great attendance um, to come out and talk about uh, Vacaville's future bike uh, park out there in Centennial, uh, looking to utilize uh, over 30 acres of, of land for um, all kinds of various activities and tracks and amenities. And so we have another upcoming meeting on March 5th. I would encourage anybody that's interested in that particular um, recreation and amenity to take a look at the city's web page. Uh, find out more details about um, specific time and location. And we encourage anybody that's interested to participate and give us your feedback because this will be a, uh, a very um, important amenity and a community benefit for, for our region. So uh, appreciate uh, Hugh Hesterman and Melody and Georgianne and all their efforts that they did to get everyone out there and the entire team because it was very well attended. Lots of good community input and uh, it's just uh, the start of a, of a great community project. So thank you. Great. Thank you. Uh, reports of the city, uh, city Council. Councilmember Silva. Thank you. So I had a off a random conversation where Brian, uh, his name came up, particularly with uh, how responsive uh, he and his team were in dealing with very uh, what they considered quick wins on uh, certain safety issues with our kids and access to schools. So some of those were uh, relatively immediately addressed or um, you know, actually dealt with, like there was actions put behind it and other things they were you know, further explained to show that, hey, we'll, you know, we have a plan um, or can come up with a plan to address that. So uh, definitely uh, did not, wasn't seeking any uh, input on you or whatnot, but somebody just came out of my way to extend their gratitude and, and how responsive and uh, how responsive you were uh, and your department was. Um, so uh, just uh, keep it up, man. So uh, the other uh, other thing, I've uh, been traveling a lot lately personally, so uh, my timeline's a little messed up, but I was able to attend the downtown love stroll, and uh, that's what they call it. Uh, so, so uh, But it was a beautiful day. A lot of folks showed up. Um, it was really a great opportunity for folks to to be able to understand that there's more, uh, there's more businesses downtown. Um, and people that didn't even sign up for that particular event, they, you know, they still came out and partaked and uh, walked around downtown. So I heard a lot of positive feedback around that. Um, there's going to be another event downtown on March 21st called the Spring Fling Stroll. Uh, so it's just an opportunity, uh, you know, to, to engage with different small business owners, support those small businesses, learn about, more about the services and products that they provide, and uh, get to know uh, different folks throughout our community. So... Um, I said thank you. Councilmember Wiley. I just wanted to make mention that myself and several other council members 
and staff attended the Solano Economic Development Breakfast, as well as the State of the Base, and we're very involved with, you know, what's going on within the county, and um, it's great to just network with the rest of the county dealing with those items. That's it. And you have to appreciate, I'm looking at names up here, and people are in different seats than it shows yeah. up here, so. <laughs> Councilmember Stockton. <clears throat> Um, I just wanted to make sure that the community was aware that on uh, Friday, the 23rd at three o'clock, there's going to be a celebration of life for Walt Simon. Uh, we've talked a lot about Walt. I think his impact has been felt throughout our community for as long um, as anyone's been blessed to know him. So if uh, folks are available, uh, they're going to have that celebration of life at the Ulatis Community Center again on Friday, February 23rd, three o'clock. And I also uh, heard, know we heard a public comment today about um, the 4th of July show. Um, would be interested to know if we could reach out to Travis Air Force Base and find out kind of what the cost is associated with putting something together like that with music or something downtown. I'm just curious what that would cost. But I uh, did want to acknowledge the comments that the gentleman made. And that's all I have. So I don't see any other lights, but what I'll do is just share. I don't have the date yet, but I just saw the, the spring cleanup is, I know just next council meeting, you can probably uh, advertise that some more. That's always a positive. And also I saw um, this week, and I don't know the, the process, but uh, for, for housing vouchers. So that application is open. I don't, uh, I don't have the dates on that, but I just, I just want when people call us and they say, hey, what's this going to look like that um, that you can go to the city's website, especially in housing. And there is an application period. Uh, and I just want to make that publicly known. Um, I'd say lastly, I appreciate the comment uh, about California forever. It's on everyone's radar. Um, it's on our radar. All the issues and uh, the impacts and the interest that that would affect the city we're paying close attention to. There's an emotional side to it. There's a political side to it. There's a legal side to it. And there's definitely a community side to it. So it's not lost on what's going on in, in our community. Uh, and with that, um, we're going to end this portion of our city council meeting. We do have closed session. There will be nothing to report out tonight. So good night, back. Oh, 7.44.